welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, I get the privilege of introducing you guys to Abby and Austin Wicks, who got married just over a week ago. Stand up and... We celebrate your guys' marriage and look forward to just watching God work in your family. Very cool, very exciting. Well, let me, let me start with some scenarios. And um, so scenario number one, your boss calls you into his office, and he, if something's gone wrong with a project you're leading, what's the first thing you do? Scenario number two, maybe you have a, a client or a customer who gives you a call, and, and they're disappointed in the product that you delivered. What's the first thing you do? Number three, a, a child asks to help you with the homework. It's a, it's a history project where you have to, you know, they need to do research on the Industrial Revolution and its pros and cons. What's the first thing you do? Go tell them to go see mom. <laughs> or you get a phone call from public health that someone you've been in contact with has been tested uh, positive for COVID. What's the first thing you do? Say wrong number and hang up. <laughs> Last one, your, your spouse makes a subtle uh, but really passive-aggressive comment about the mess that you left in the kitchen. What's the first thing you do? Run. Run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, face, we face countless moments like that each and every day. And, and some of these moments, the, the choices we make seem to be less critical or less important than others. But the reality is each of these moments, each of these these situations or scenarios is an opportunity for us to experience Jesus. Each one's an opportunity to experience his eternal, abundant life in us or, or to follow the flesh and therefore to experience the death that comes out of living out of our own ability, living out of our own strength as we listen to what the flesh is saying. And, and too often, I think that our, our response towards God, at least, is he's sort of seen as the in case of emergency button. When, when things aren't working, when things aren't going our way, then, then we go to him, but only at that moment. Think about it. Think of how often when someone's been struggling with something and, and we give them a bunch of ideas to try. You know, we kind of joked, you know, for, for Joy, for a number of years, she struggled with restless legs at night. They just start jumping. And everyone would come to us and say, have you tried magnesium? Have you tried magnesium? So it's kind of the joke we now go on. If, if something's not going well, I'll say, have you, have you tried magnesium? <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> it's too soon, apparently. But, um, but think about it. We, we give all these people ideas, and they've said, I've tried it, and, and this worked, or it didn't work. And then... Then we finally say, well, I guess there's nothing left for us to do but to pray. And as if that's our last choice, as if that's our, our final moment, that it's reached this level of desperation. 
All I've got left is prayer. Now, please understand, I don't say this to condemn any one of you because I'm probably more guilty than most. I met with a friend of mine earlier this week, and he was telling me about a, a job interview he was doing with someone, and, and he wanted to know a little bit more about this person and, and really wanted to know, is this person a believer or not? But he can't ask that question outright. And, and so what he decided to do, he came up with a rather clever question. He, he says, what's the first thing you do and the last thing you do in a day? And it's a great question because he's sort of opening up the opportunity for her to share a little bit of her faith. And in this case, this lady, she got a little, little red in the face, a little sheepish because she didn't know where my friend was. And, and she said, well, I, I try to do a little bit devotional and I, I try and pray because I'm a Christian. And I thought, man, what a, what a great question that is. That was not the first thing I thought. The first thing I thought was, well, what would my answer be? And it would not be anything as spiritual as that. My, my, you know, the first thing I do in the morning and the last thing I do at night is probably checking my phone, you know, seeing, you know, what's going on in the world and social media, you know, what craziness is happening, uh, maybe email messages. And, and, and what I found was in listening and talking with my friend, I felt this nudge from my father, not a, not a condemning nudge at all, but, but a nudge to say that maybe I'm settling for something far less than what he's having to offer, that I'm settling for something um, that isn't feeding my soul, that isn't lifting me up and encouraging me, but rather it's, it's drawing away from me. And, and so he was, he was reminding me again that, that each moment is an opportunity for me to connect with him. Each moment is an opportunity to, to just tap into his life. And so that, that's what's going to bring us to our, our passage this morning. It's, it's on the topic of prayer. So I, I want to point out that it follows, and I believe really it's connected to this Armor of God series that we just went through. I, I don't think the two are you know, completely independent. I think it's, it's sort of in light of this spiritual battle that we're in against Satan and the demonic, against the world, against the flesh, there's this call now to prayer. And, and I think that we see great examples of that in Scripture. Remember the story in Exodus chapter 17? Where, where Moses is up against Amalekites, and, and he, he's fighting Amalek and, and his followers. And, and Moses says to Joshua, he says, you go out and you lead the battle. You lead the, the warriors, and I'm going to stand up here and pray. And as long as his arms were raised and he was praying, then Israel was winning. But then his arms would get tired, and they'd come down, kind of like the wrestler, right, going, going down. And then he would start to lose. And then eventually, uh, Aaron and, and someone else came. I think it was um, her, Ben-Hur? Not Ben-Hur. But it was, it, you know, they came and he lifted up his arms. And as the arms went up, Israel began to win again. And so we can see, again, this, this significance, this power that is taking place as we pray to our Father. So let's read our passage here in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. Paul writes, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and, and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Well, Father, here we are again this morning in your word, hearing from you. And that's what we're after. 
I pray that, that whatever is you put on my mind, whatever you put in my mouth to say, that, that it would be of you, and that each person here, whether it be in person or online, we'd have ears to hear. That we would sense something that you're inviting us into. That we would know your love and your life and your power that comes from you and faith in you. And so I'm excited to see what you're going to do. In your name we pray, amen. Well, this topic of prayer, I mean, there's, there's been books written on it and countless messages given on this topic of prayer. Even the disciples asked Jesus how we might pray. And, and one of the ones that I've heard that, that's kind of stuck with me is this, this format to prayer following the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Right? Adoration is the A, C is confession, T is thanksgiving, and then S is supplication. So the adoration part is this idea where we begin with a, a word of praise towards God and honoring God. And then there's C, there's the confession part, and that's why Robin prays for so long. And so it goes on now, and you begin to confess maybe some things that have gotten in, in between you and God. And then there's the T, the thanksgiving part, where you are thankful for all that God's done for us. And then finally, you come to S and the supplication, and now you can make your ask. Right? You kind of you know, soften him up, and now God can have 20 bucks, right? sort of idea. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong, per se, with that format, that kind of a formula to it. But please understand, prayer is not a formula. Yeah, I think too many times we've, we've gotten caught up in that in terms of, well, how do I pray? And do I pray right? And how do I sound to people? When I'm meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, often they're afraid to pray. They're nervous to pray because they're, they're going to worry how they're going to sound. And I, I try to share with them, it, it doesn't matter. Just, just speak. Just talk. Because the reality is prayer is not steeped in protocol. It's not like you're talking to the queen or someone. One, one Carlos Ortiz, he has a great way of phrasing it. He says, keep your protocols for the president. This is your father you're speaking with. And I think that, that takes a lot of the burden off of us, a lot of the pressure off of us to realize that it's just it's someone that loves you, someone that, that wants to have a, a conversation with you. And so please understand, prayer is nothing more than talking to God. But it's also nothing less than talking to the God of the universe. Let me say that again. Prayer is nothing more than talking to God, but it is nothing less than talking to the almighty, powerful God of the universe. Isn't that incredible? That there's, there's no mediator in between you and I and God. It's not that you have to go to, to, to Robin or myself and then we go to God on your behalf. That doesn't, that's not how it works anymore. It used to be that way in the Old Testament. You'd have to go to the priests or to, to Moses, and, and they were the conduit, but no more. There's now no one between you and your father. And so you and I, we get to, we have this opportunity to go and speak to this almighty God that lives where? In us. You know, when I think about that truth of God in us, I often think about that scene from Aladdin. You remember the Disney Aladdin? where the genie's explaining this phenomenal cosmic power, an itty little bitty vessel, right? That's you and me. We have this phenomenal cosmic power that is God himself, all of him, been given to you and I without reserve, an itty bitty bitty little you and me, all that strength and all that power. 
And so that's why we're encouraged. That's why we're invited now to pray, to speak with him, and to talk with him. And yet, people often say, does it really matter? Does it, do I really need to? I mean, he already, he already knows all these things. Why, why bother talking to him? Well, apparently, we need to, because if we don't ask, we don't have. James writes this in, in chapter 1, of, beginning of verse 2. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. That's how you guys all respond to trials, right? You get excited, count it all joy. But look what he goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It's a bit like going to the gym. It's, it's a bit like working out those muscles and, and trusting God. And, and yet, it's not helpful, and it's not easy in the moment. And sometimes it feels a little painful and sore afterwards. But you're stronger in your faith as a result. He says, let all endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. Because we've tapped into the life of Jesus. We've tapped into his strength, into his power. But he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So he's inviting us to ask him. But he goes on in chapter 4, and he says to them that you do not have because you do not ask. And so I, I wonder sometimes that, that God, he's just waiting for us to ask him so that he can be the one to show us to, that when that prayer is answered, that we know it was from God. Because sometimes we, we lose sight of what God's doing. And, and we think, well, we just chalk it up to, to something I did or something someone else did and not realize that it was God who answered a prayer for us. And so he's inviting us to ask because he wants to answer those prayers. Now, others say, well, well, isn't God sovereign? He's going to do what he wants to do, right? So what's the benefit? Why, why bother? If he's going to do what he's going to do, what does it matter if I ask him? Shouldn't I just say, God, do whatever you want and walk away from it? Well, it's true. God is sovereign. But please understand, he doesn't control people. He leads, he invites, but he does not coerce us. Because if he did then none of us would sin. Isn't that true? But we all sin from time to time. Even Devin, I know, I know. Even Devin from time to time. And, and so, yes, God is sovereign. No, well, okay, you just did. <laughs> let's, let's be honest now. Let's, let's call it out. In, speaking truth and love, sister. All right, let's get back on track here. So God is sovereign, no doubt. He, he is, he is he's in control of things, but he's not control of people. And therefore, things are happening whether he agrees with it or not. See, think of it this way. There's a verse in Proverbs 16 and verse 9. It says, the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. It doesn't say the Lord uh, controls his steps. It doesn't say that the, the Lord is making people do these certain things, but he is directing them. And so his sovereign purpose, his sovereign plan is happening, but people have a say. And apparently, God is inviting you and I 
into that process. He's inviting you and I to speak to him, to invite him into it, so that our choices that we make now can be godly ones, can be of him. Because again, remember, you and I, we always have a choice. In any given moment, the choice is between the spirit and the flesh, between trusting Jesus or trusting in ourselves and our own abilities and our own power. And, and the beauty of this is that God gave you and I the Holy Spirit so we wouldn't have to choose the flesh. He put the Holy Spirit, again, all of that phenomenal cosmic power inside you and me to the Holy Spirit. Think about it. He took up permanent residence inside of you. Not only did he take up permanent residence inside of you, but he actually united you to his spirit, where your spirit and his spirit become one spirit. But there's a purpose in that. And that purpose wasn't just to keep you warm on cold nights. It, wasn't, it was not more than just to keep you company when you're feeling lonely. That purpose now, as it says in Philippians 2.13, that God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's in you to will to set the path, but then to accomplish it and make it happen. But please understand, if he's got a path, if he's got a will, if he's trying to direct us, how do we know that unless we talk to him? Which I think leads us to the, to the next important reason about prayer is because prayer is all about relationship. Our daddy wants to hear from us. Think about that. The God of the universe wants to hear from Sue, wants to hear from Mike. That's what he wants. He wants to hear from you and I. And, and you see, he, he's not wanting to just be this genie to us where he grants our wishes or, or a Santa Claus where he gives you gifts from time to time. He's your father. He cares about you. He's your daddy. And he, he really wants to get to know you and for you to get to know him, more importantly. And so that means this prayer is meant to be a, a two-way conversation where, where I talk to him and he talks to me. And, and sometimes, sometimes we just sit quietly together. But there's an awareness that he's with me and he's present in that moment. And sometimes he speaks to me about things that are really important. And sometimes he speaks to me about things that are less important. It doesn't really matter, I think, because to be honest, for God, what's really big for God? I mean, he's so big, everything's small in comparison. And yet everything matters to him. Because if it matters to you, it matters to him. And so sometimes that means prayer can be formal sounding. Sometimes it can be really simple. We're asking God for things. I mean, if you want to ask God to, that the Leafs actually make it out of the first round of the, the playoffs, I would appreciate that, personally. Um, it, again, it sounds silly, but he'll take it. He just may not answer the prayer. Your complaints, your disappointments, whatever you got, he wants it. And so the question is, well, how often do we do it? And Paul says, all the time, continually. Think about it. Lose your keys. How many times have you lost your keys and you can't find it? And then you stop and you pray, and then all of a sudden you get an idea out of the blue to go look in the most odd place, and sure enough, that's where joy put him. 
You know it's true, right? Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're worried about the direction of the economy or the government or, or big tech or, or how country music seems to be constantly picked on by the pastors. Whatever it is, talk to your father. Because he wants that. He's inviting that. And so we're at all times we're to pray. All times we're to just come before him and, and just speak and to listen to him. But Paul goes on that. He says, more than just praying for yourself, he then gives us an instruction to pray for others in the church, to pray for all the saints. So not just the people here at New Life, but all the saints. Maybe there's some people outside the church that we can pray for. Outside this church, I should say, that we can pray for. And he says, the instruction is to be on alert and persistent in your prayers. So this alert here is, it means to be awake. It means to be watchful. It means to be purposeful. So you think about this idea of, of not falling asleep on the job. If you're, maybe you're on guard, you're, you're a sentry, you're protecting the, the, the camp, and you're on guard. That's sort of this idea of being alert, being a, a, awake in, in your mind here. And so that means we're not sleepwalking through life. Again, how many of us can relate to that, though, where we just sort of get into a routine and we just sort of sleepwalk through our days? And he says, don't sleepwalk through, especially through your prayers. Again, it's not this rote prayer where you just start going through the list, right? Pray for your family, pray for your friends, pray for um, you know, your boss that he gets saved and, and you know, let up on you a little bit. Pray for the missionaries over in Africa and China and, and amen, right? It's not just this list you go through. It's, it's, there is an intentionality in our mind as we're talking to our father. But then he talks about this prayer being persistent. Let me explain, I think, what, I, what Paul means by persistence. And, and I want to I use a story where Jesus sent his disciples out to do all kinds of miracles and wonders, right? He, he had 70, and he sent them out in twos. And they were doing amazing things, right? They were healing the sick, and, and they were um, you know, casting out demons. All kinds of incredible things were happening through these disciples. Except there's this one person in particular. This, this father and his son, the son was being harassed by a demon, and the disciples couldn't cast him out. And so the, the man brings his son to Jesus and says, your disciples couldn't cast him out. Can you do it? And Jesus did, just like that. Well, you can imagine how the disciples are feeling. A little sheepish, maybe, right? Peter and John and, and maybe you know, Levi are wondering, why, why couldn't we do that? And so, you know, I think it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's mentioned here in the text here in, in chapter 17. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately. I don't think that was an accident that they came privately. I don't think they wanted to ask that question in front of everybody. But they came to him privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. Oh, ye of little faith, the King James would say. And, and it makes it sound like they just didn't have enough faith. And if they just believed harder and they believed more, then that would have been the answer. But that's not what he means by littleness. See, look what Jesus goes on to say. He says, you know, because of the littleness of your faith, for I truly, I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, 
That mustard seed was a, a tiny, tiny little seed. It was the smallest seed that they'd known of at the time. He says, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. See, please understand, it's not the size of your faith that matters. It's what the faith is in that matters. That's the key. Right? I've used this illustration before. If I, if I walk out onto a, you know, a half centimeter thick ice with all the faith in the world, it will not matter. I am going through. Or I could have little faith and walk out on 10 feet thick ice, and I'll be fine. What's the difference? The object of my faith. And the object of our faith is Jesus. So it's not that you need enormous faith. You just need a little bit of faith in the right place. So what does he mean by the littleness of their faith? Well, the Greek word there that's translated littleness is actually could be translated as brief. The briefness of their faith. Think about it. How often have you, you and I prayed for something and then quickly let go of it and gave up? Well, that didn't work. I guess I got to move on to something else. Try something else. I'm not totally desperate where all I've got left is prayer. So we'll try something else maybe. And we give up on that prayer. And what, what Paul's talking about here is to remain cons- persistent, to, to remain, um, hold fast to that faith that God is going to act in some way. And so if you're struggling with something, you pray. And if you didn't get an answer, then you keep praying. And if nothing is different, then you still pray. Don't pray until you get an answer. Or don't, sorry, don't stop praying. That's important. Don't stop praying until you get an answer. And sometimes the answer is no. Right? Think about Paul when he had that thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, and he prayed, he says, three times. So he was kept praying. He didn't stop. He was holding on to that, that faith. God, heal me. God, take this thorn away. God, come rescue me right now. And then what did God say? No, son, not going to do it. And there's a reason why I'm not going to do it, because my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in your weakness. That what you're going through, the reason I'm not taking away is this will bless you and others in greater ways. And so in that case, the answer was a no, but it was still an answered prayer. See, God always answers our prayers, just not always the way we want him to answer it. And so what he's inviting us, though, is to keep praying. I might, maybe I'll encourage you to this way. Pray in a way where you believe God's actually listening to you. Pray in a way where you believe that it actually makes a difference. Because it does. He is listening. He is taking it in. He is going to act on it in some way. And that's how we're to pray for for our friends, our family, other believers, those who don't yet know Jesus, even even the government officials and our enemies. Oh, that's redundant. That's a joke. That's a joke. Not a funny one, apparently, but it was a joke. (laughs) So he says, pray for yourselves. Pray for the saints. Pray for the church. And then look what he says in verses 19 and 20. He says, and pray on my behalf. 
Paul's inviting these, these readers here in Ephesus. He says, pray for me. Now, if you've ever wondered about the significance and the power and the importance of prayer or someone else's prayer for you, then let this be a lesson for you. Because not only did Paul ask for prayer, but you remember Jesus did as well. Remember in the garden, the night of his arrest, right before he goes to the cross, he grabs the disciples. And what does he say? He says, pray for me. Be alert. Be awake. And steadfast and persistent. And pray for me, because I'm struggling, Jesus is saying. It's when he was sweating blood, nervous about going to the cross. And so I figure if, if Paul and Jesus need others to pray for them, then guess what? So do we. And, and so I'm going to ask each of you to pray for me and, and the other elders, especially for me. I mean, have you seen these other elders? <laughs> it's a good thing Robin's done for the day. That's all I'm saying. Unless he's got a word from the Lord, and then I'll be in trouble. No, 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 no. He might not, yeah. So my next point, pray for our families. And in all seriousness, pray for our families because they endure so much. They, they, have, been, they have been thrust into the battle uh, not often, you know, willingly, per se, in terms of it was their idea, but they've willingly gone into it. And they are facing pressures. And so we, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers. Pray for, pray for all those who help lead New Life Fellowship. And, and you're meeting the various teams that are leading. Please understand, it is hard to lead during this time. It's not simple. There's, there's so much infighting. There's so much tension. There's so much disagreement. And, and really, I would say, over very insignificant things in the large scheme of things. We're, we're fighting each other. I, I saw a report. Uh, Barna reports that 30% of pastors have given significant thought to quitting in the last year because of how hard it is to lead under COVID. 30% have thought about it. Many have actually done it. Many have said, I'm out. I'm done. And then, then it's even easier to just get distracted, to get focused on the politics and, and fighting all that's happening and, and trying to pick up that banner. You know, when I, when I get frustrated sometimes and I, I see what's going on and, and God just reminds me, stick to your mission, son. Stick to what matters. And you see, that's what Paul was praying for. Notice he didn't pray. He didn't ask for prayers for release. He didn't say, guys, get together, get in your groups, and pray that, that somehow we'll be we set free, that these chains will be broken, and we'll be on the road again, and we'll have a fourth missionary journey, and, and everything will be wonderful. He didn't pray for that. He didn't pray for any relief in his circumstances. He says, would you, would you pray that I'd have confidence and boldness to share the gospel? Would you pray for me that I would be able to speak the truth to people at the right place at the right time? That, that God would give me the right word to say to that person, that may be the different word to this person over here. Would you pray for me that I would discern that from God? 
You see, that was Paul's heart. That was Paul's goal, was the gospel. And so would you pray for us as as elders in particular that we would stay on mission, that our, our focus really is not to save the politics of this world. We're not to save nations. We're not to save uh, governments or anything like that. Our mission is to share the gospel. Our mission is to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, to experience the kingdom of God here and now, but also hereafter. So would you, would you encourage us and pray for us that way? that we would know the right people to fight for, to when to say something and when to not say anything at all? Would you, would you pray for us that we would be encouraged to trust God in all things? Just think about it. This, this God of the universe, he sacrificed everything for you and I. He gave up everything for you and I, came to this earth, died on this cross so that he could put his very life inside you and I right now. He gave his whole heart over to you and I right now. And he wants wants as many of his creation, many of his people as possible to come to him. And you and I now have an opportunity to be a part of that. And so that's my prayer for you guys is new life. That, that you guys would be the church. That you wouldn't just look to, to the elders as, as somehow that we're the professionals and so we're the ones that are going to lead people to Jesus when the reality is God's equipped the whole church to do that. That you wouldn't just look to us as leaders that, that we will be the ones to, to lead the ministries and the programs because the reality is he's equipped the whole body of Christ to do that. And that you and I, we get to now be the ambassadors that Paul talks about the ambassadors to cry of Christ wherever we go. Because that's our kingdom. That's our nation. That's where we belong. That's where we're from. That is the awesome and powerful truth of the good news. And so let us be a people of prayer. Let us be a, a people that turn to him, because I believe when we do so, that life and that compassion and that love of Jesus will flow in and through us and God will be glorified in his church. Let's pray. Father, it's an awesome responsibility to carry your life, to be an ambassador, to to wherever we go, we bring you. But that means we get to be light in a dark world. And regardless of the circumstances, your light will shine and will shine brightly as we trust you. And that trust will come as we turn to you, as we talk with you. Sometimes talking to you, sometimes listening to you, but as we are abiding, as we are in conversation with you. And so I I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that we would be aware of that, that we would be constant, persistent in our prayers to you, knowing that this world will then get a taste of you. In your name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. 
subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.